Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the show. I'm joined once again, and more frequently, by my man Kyle Klingman. Um, out of Cedar Falls, Iowa, how's, uh, how's everything in Cedar Falls this morning, Kyle? It's going great. We had a very nice conversation about the difference between wrestling in Texas and Iowa before we got on. We feel like Texas is a untapped gold mine, isn't it? It is. It is. And, and maybe one day you're going to come down here and start a club? Yep, I'm going to. That's the plan right now. Um, it's a little underground right now. I didn't want this to be the reveal, but you did. So it's going to be in Austin, Texas. I'm going to have Mark Bader as my primary coach. So if uh, if you believe that, then uh, we got some problems. Hey, hey, hey! Come on now. All right, uh, but yeah, that's probably won't happen. Never know. Anything's possible, but we'll table it and talk, bring it back for another day. Let's bring on our guest, um, 2021 Olympian, 57 kilos men's freestyle, Thomas Gilman. How you doing this morning, Thomas? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you guys? Man, I'm fantastic. I, I appreciate that. Um, and I mean, yeah, you, you came out, you 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 went through the Olympic trials, made it to the finals, best two out of three, you won. Would you say? Did you feel like you came out of nowhere? That weekend? I was just going to make that comment. Uh, <laughs> I think looking back, I'm trying to figure out where I was because if I came out of nowhere, I'm not sure where I was at. But, um, yeah, that caught me a little off guard. But I don't think so. I mean, I've been around. I'm not no, the new junk object. Yeah, I, I know. I know. Uh, what, what, okay, to that point, right? And for anybody who doesn't know, the uh, guy at the Zoom interview asked you that. And then, and then he followed it up with, well, I didn't mean – I just meant nobody's ever heard of you. And I was like, he doubled down? What, what's going on? But, um, yeah. but one thing you did say in, in that, you were like, um, you were like, oh, maybe you know, I'm not – people like something shiny and new. And I'm not shiny and new. Maybe that's why people don't like me. Do you get the – I think you're – I like you, and, and I'm not just saying that. Do you feel like people don't like you? Well, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's split down the middle. I think that uh, there aren't a lot of people in the middle. So they either love me or they hate me, kind of cheesy. 
um, anymore with you guys putting out that documentary. But I think there are a lot of people out there that like me, and I think there are a lot of people that like me that don't really admit it. But I also believe there are a lot of people that really don't like me, um, especially people in, in Iowa right now. All right. Um, how do you feel about, about, I don't know, people in Iowa that don't like you? So what? I mean, I still like them. Okay. <laughs> and it's their problem, so. Sure. Um, right. It's whatever. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, all right, I, uh, enough of the shenanigans. When, when, I want to get to some, some real questions here. And speaking like the Olympics, right, you're, you're qualified and you'll be going this summer to Tokyo. Do you remember your first time, like, watching the Olympics on TV or, or discuss, coming across the Olympics? Well, I don't know, it was 96, 2000, after that or before that? Um, but like who was wrestling, who caught your eye, whether it was, you had already started competing yourself or it was just on TV and you saw it. Yeah. I don't know my first vivid memory of the Olympics. I just know when I started wrestling, I heard of the Olympics and, and that's what I want to do. I, I realized there's the pinnacle of the sport and, you know, to be an Olympic champion. So I want to be an Olympic champion. And I've said it in other interviews, but at the time I had no idea what, the Olympics were necessarily. I want to be an Olympic champion, freestyle wrestling, Greco wrestling, and folk style wrestling. So that's how early on I wanted to be an Olympic champion because I didn't even realize that uh, folk style wasn't even in the Olympics. But um, I think my most, my first vivid memory, I mean, I remember Coach Kale wrestling in, in 2004 in Athens and, and Stephen Abbas. Um, but my first, like, real vivid memory of, like, watching the games on TV and being like, okay, that's that's doable. I, I, I can do that. I was watching Henry Cejudo in 2008 because um, I think, uh, you know, he was young, uh, the youngest to do at the time, and I was like, he's not really that much older than I am, and uh, that's kind of where I want to be, and he kind of showed that it's doable right now. Um, so that was probably my first most vivid memory, and, and just and I kind of got on this kick of watching Henry and, and the way he competed and all that, and it's kind of my first, like, real vivid memory. And just realizing that it, it's it's doable, like, sooner than people think. Because I think when you're at a certain age, you think it's off in the future, um, you know, when you're 30 or 25. I guess I'm 25, but, you know, he was, I think he was 19, and Kyle was 18 when he won. So I was like, it's coming up, like, I can do it. So I kind of put a little more pressure on myself to uh, to get better faster and, and to get the job done because it, it's within arm's reach. Did it? I mean, when did it, it seem doable? And then when did it seem possible? If that if that makes sense, right? It's like oh, there's something that it's distant, or maybe not that distant, but I can. Do. When did it just seem like realistic? I guess, or did it seem realistic at the time? I think it seemed realistic at the time, just because you know I'm. Um, I tend to be a little bit delusional, <laughs> you know, so I was a young kid and, and you have high, high aspirations and you think the world of yourself and you think they're the best thing since sliced bread. So I thought it was doable in 2012. You know, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do it in 2012. I'm going to graduate high school and uh, go to the Olympics. And at the time I was not ready. Obviously I didn't even try to qualify for the, the Olympic trials. I don't even know if I knew how to at that time, but uh, just coming to college and then, you know, training with Metcalf and Ramos and those guys and Ramos making world teams. And at the time, you know, I, Ramos was still whooping up on me. Um, but, you know, I was always like right there with him, you know, 
exchange takedowns or being matches with them. I was, and he's going to Worlds and making World teams. So I was like, well, this is more than doable. And I was on junior teams and they got bronze at, at the at the juniors. And, and seeing guys transition from juniors to seniors, like, pretty easily. You know, obviously, like, Kyle Snyder, you know, he went from juniors and then the next year wrestling, you know, the Worlds and winning. And so it was definitely, I was like, all right, well, this is doable. And then, obviously, training with, with Dan Dennis and him making the Olympic team. And the Olympics are, for whatever reason, just kind of a bigger deal. You know, obviously, it's only four, every four years, and we go down from 10 to six weights. But him making that team, I was like, damn, I can beat Dennis, even though most of the time he's beating me. But I, I can beat that guy, and I've beaten this guy and this guy, and they're in this tournament. And at that time, I didn't even qualify for the trials because – I didn't go to the open. I obviously got runner-up at the at the nationals that year. Um, but then you know it was all kind of you know uphill from there or downhill. I'm not sure which way. But then I made the world team in 2017, and then 2018, and 2019 I didn't. But I was in the finals of final X. Not that that's an accomplishment, but um, then I'm like, heck, it's the Olympic year. You know, it's it's my my time. It's my my team and my, my, my goal. So I just got to go do it. Sure. In, in 2012, you, you thought you could, you know, good enough to make the Olympics or whatever, but you didn't. And, but at some point, I don't know, I know you wrestled in, in 14, I believe in the junior worlds. maybe, maybe you made a cadet or junior team before that. But when did you first wrestle internationally, whether it was a junior cadet world or whether it was some tournament during the year? Uh, the first time I wrestled internationally was 2011. Um, Cadet World Championships. And I won one match. I wrestled a uh, Uzbek, and then next match I, I dropped to uh, to a Georgian. So that was my first international experience, and and that was fun. I mean, it was it was an eye opener. You know, you wrestle. I was just still boy at the time. You wrestle these guys. They're they're cadets, and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. We'll say they're cadets, but you know, these foreigners they they mature at a different rate than we Americans do because they live a harder lifestyle. And you can say, well, maybe they're not really cadets and whatever, but I'll say they're cadets. Um, but it was an eye-opener. Like, I got a long way to go, you know. Um, cadets and these guys are, you know, big and strong and manly. So it, it was an eye-opener. It's just a different world, you know, wrestling with international guys. But the more you mature and the older you get and the better perspective you get, you realize that, you know, they're no different. They're, they're still – human beings just got out, go out there and just take them down. Aside from the, maybe they're bigger, stronger, mature, faster, or have doctored materials. Um, what do you remember about, but actually getting your hands on somebody and, and vice versa. Right. And there's, you know, Americans fit within this box, basically, even though we have, there's a lot of different styles, but there's like a whole different way of that. The international wrestlers, probably feel, I guess, would be the right word. Can you describe what that was like? Yeah, it, it's definitely, it's kind of cliche, but the, they got an elusive feel. You know, where in, in America, we're used to pretty much just straight-up wrestling is how I would uh, say it, you know, hand-fighting, you know, fight for position. But they, they're not afraid to give up a position, um to get something else, you know, they're, they're a little more relaxed in ties. They're funkier when you get to their legs, they, they can wrestle through all positions a little bit better than we as Americans for the most part, you know, there's some Americans that are very, very good at wrestling through all positions, but 
it was an eye opener for me because I'm going out there, I'm grabbing these guys, and they're they're not really tying back up. They're kind of real loose in their feel, and then all of a sudden they explode. You know, they relax and they explode. And I wasn't really used to that. I was used to kind of a steady kind of um, grind where you know they, they wrestle more in spurts and and you know kind of conserve energy then go, conserve energy then go kind of thing. Um, so it was, it was definitely a different feel in that sense. And and just their tactics were are different. You know, they're, they're, they've been wrestling freestyle their whole lives, so their their mat awareness is is was better uh, at the time. You know, I was just a cadet. You know, kind of just wrestling folks that all the time, and and just with the pushouts and and different uh, parterre positions. You know that they're at the time they're way more savvy in, in those positions. So it, it was a it was a good learning experience, just realizing like, hey, this is a different a different animal, a different ball game. You gotta you know not only you know get better at your your technique and your strength and stuff like that, but also just your your mat savviness and mat awareness and, and freestyle awareness. What's the best way for uh, a 15 or 16 year old to prepare for that? Because at the time you, you're, you or whoever I'm talking about, right, uh, is wrestling these foreigners and they feel all the things and realize all the things you just described. Yet you're going to come back to the States or they're going to come back to the States and compete for high school tournaments and go to Fargo and try to win NCAAs and, and everything else where you're wrestling against Americans but still need to figure out the other side where you're preparing for this weird feel. Um, Given what you know now, what would be the best way to, I guess, approach both? I think that it just comes down to just philosophy and, and just do what you do best and, and do it better than that guy. And, you know, at the time I was a cadet, you know, you kind of get out there and you're kind of – you feel the guy and you're kind of maybe trying to play his game because you, you're just not sure maybe of yourself yet. Um, so just no matter what your style is or what that guy's style is, just going out there and just doing what you do. And that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Just do it better and, and harder than that guy. Um, but also, I think we're really on a good trajectory in this country because, I mean, some of these, these young guys coming up are really good, and they got really good coaches. I mean, just this area, for example, you got M2 Training Center, and, you know, David will go to practice, and we'll work on, you know, certain things or certain positions, and then he's going to coach these kids, and they're working on the same things. So these kids are developing at a, at a faster and better rate than, than I was, you know, at that age. Um, just because you got you know a world champion coaching you, and he's he's bringing those those feels uh, not only from the our college program and Nittany line program, but also the the foreign maybe tactics um, and, and making these kids aware of it. So I think they're these kids are just in, in a better position, and, and that's not an excuse for me. It's just um, it's a good thing for these young kids. You know, they, they the resources that they have. Um, it's just amazing, and they're getting better really fast at a young age. So, I don't think that uh, I have any real good advice for these young kids because they're—I mean, they're some of them are better than I am. I'm on the Olympic team, so uh, technically, I would say. But just doing what what you do best, you know, go out there and, and do you and, and wrestle hard, and and uh, don't fall into their game. Don't don't play the the rope a dope because that's what they that's what they want to do. Sure, Clinton, you got a question? I do. Brad Hildebrandt is someone that has influenced you. What kind of conversations did he have with you about getting to the next level, World Olympic Games and beyond? Um, he just kind of instilled just like self-confidence. I mean, just um, discipline first off and then self-confidence. Um, Could he kind of explain to me, 
you know, at an early age, like what you're doing now, you know, is good. But if you want to get to that next level or the difference between getting to where you're at and where you want to be, is going to take a higher level of discipline. And, and that was like the big thing. So the higher level, like when, when you're young, you can get away with a lot of things, um, a lot of things in nutrition and, and you're young. So you can put, put things in your body, like eat bad and it doesn't really affect you just because you're young and your metabolism is good. But the older you get, your body changes and so does the competition. And so the higher level you get, you just got to be more disciplined and do not necessarily more, but just doing more of the right things and, and eliminate some of those those bad habits um, the older you get and, and the higher level you get. So Brad, he, 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 he was not only like a good coach and mentor to me, but like a father figure. So just instilling his good, good mentality and good mindset and just the discipline and, and discipline is what, what's going to win the day, especially in these higher levels. You spoke of, you know, um, getting rid of bad habits as, as you get older. Can you give any examples of, of bad habits either from high school or college or beyond that you've uh, adjusted to and changed in some way? Yeah, definitely the biggest thing that comes to my mind is nutrition. So like I said, when I was younger, you know, I could eat anything and I could still perform at a high level. But the older I got, the more I realized, hey, I need to start changing things, um, start eating better. And, and when I was in college, I started, started to figure it out um, pretty early on and kind of adjusted a little bit. But I didn't really know what I was doing. I just knew like, okay, vegetables are good for you. You know, mm-hmm. leafy greens are good for you. Eating your proteins, well-balanced diet is good. Candy's probably not good. Soda's not good for you. So don't eat or drink that. So it's very, I'd say, fundamental. And then since coming here to Penn State, uh, I've really, I wouldn't say changed a lot as far as my nutrition, just like dialed it in, like more of a scientific approach. So that's really, really helped me just feeling um, – just feeling good in that sense. And, and another thing is in my training, you know, I, I would never give myself time to, to kind of bounce back or recover. You know, I didn't really believe in burnout. Burnout was not a thing. Um, and I do, I don't necessarily think I believe in burnout, but there's definitely a point where you're training too much or too hard. And you got to kind of pull it back a little bit to let your body um, recover. Cause you can, you can train at 80%, all you want, but you're still only getting 80% out of yourself. So at some point you got to kind of take a step back and do something different, maybe change up the system, you know, uh, for a week and then come back and maybe you're closer to, to, you know, 91% because we're never going to be a hundred percent, but just kind of the recovery aspect. And that kind of goes hand in hand with the nutrition. So just always kind of adapting that and continuing to dial that in just doing, doing what feels good because at the end of the day, you, you got to feel good when you're going to competition, not too good, but um, you got to be fresh to a certain extent. What do you mean not too good? You said you got to feel good when you go into competition, but not too good. Well, you don't want to feel too good because if you feel really good, then then you're probably not um, probably not training enough or hard enough because you can go into competition, your weight's good, everything's good, your technique feels good, but you're not you're not really I want to say grinding. So you get to that competition, that first match you feel good, and that second match you feel not so good. So you have to have a certain amount of, um, um, what's the word? Not conditioning, but just hardness to you. You know, you got to feel good, but you still got to stay hard and, and 
and your body has to be hard and your mind has to be hard because to put four, three or four or five matches together in a tournament, that takes a lot of intestinal fortitude. So you got to feel, you got to feel good, but you don't want to feel good to the point where you're letting your body relax too much and you're not hard, you know, cause you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta be hard to get through five, four or five hard matches. So that's kind of, there. just, you walk in that line. There's always a balance. There's, you know, you got to have one foot in order and one foot in chaos. And you got to, you know, you got to walk that line. And if you're too much in order, then, you know, things aren't going to go good. And so for me in my career, I've always had two feet in chaos, you know, <laughs> so the more chaotic it was kind of the more I fed off it, but you know, the amount of stress that that puts on your body um, is not good. So you got to have one foot on both sides of that line and just straddle that line. All right. Kyle, did you say you had a follow-up? I do with the Olympic trials and you making an Olympic team at 57 kilos, two of the biggest names were not in there, Nick Siriano and Spencer Lee. Do you pay attention to that? And if you do, how do you compartmentalize their absence in your weight bracket? I don't pay too much attention to it. Cause you know what? At the end of the day, the best guys were there. Um, and that's not a slight to anybody, but you, I wrestled whoever was there and whoever showed up. And that's, that's that people can make, um, people are always going to make reasons why um, I'm on the team. And I shouldn't be on the team because Suriano wasn't there. I was supposed to wrestle him second round, blah, blah, blah. And Spencer Lee, he's the greatest thing since Jesus Christ, and he wasn't there, so blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Whatever. They weren't there, and if they were, I would have wrestled and I would have beat him. I, re- I really believe that, and a lot of people don't believe that. But um, I'm at the height of my game, and there's nobody that's going to beat me. Fair enough. Um, so it's it's been just about a year or so, give or take, right, that you made the move out, out to Pennsylvania. What areas of and, – and you you mentioned nutrition and maybe recovery, but I guess what areas wrestling-wise do you think you've improved upon the most? I think just wrestling through all positions. You know, I, I kind of – um, mentioned in my my post match interview, but you know people look at my matches and they say, well, Gilman hasn't developed at all. You know, he, he's still doing the same thing: underhook, driving, single legs. But there's a lot of things. I was getting two point takedowns. Um, that's huge. That's really big. And there's the difference in that match, the second match against Vito. Two point takedown was the difference. So I think that's maybe that's more of a, a tactical thing, but it's also a technical thing. Um, so uh, there are other areas. You know, I can, I can go down the list that. Um, didn't necessarily uh, show in my wrestling, but you know, just little things, just like playing around in positions and just being more comfortable in in positions that I wasn't comfortable in before. Um, I'm more uh, comfortable going to the legs because I know that if I end up in a scramble, that I have certain things that I can go to when I, when things kind of get turned upside down, and I feel comfortable. Once I get to that that safe spot, then I'm good. So just being more comfortable in the scramble and, and flurries. Uh, it's giving me more, more confidence to go to the legs. And, um, yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of technical things that, that, you know, I can just rattle off. I'm not going to because um, people say, well, you didn't – you wrestled the same. Nothing's changed. But some something's changed, right? I mean, the way I separated myself from some of these guys and and uh, took two to zero matches and got a pin in the semis, I mean, something's obviously different. And, and it's really not – I'm going to take it a little, little different direction. It's not really the the technical aspect of the wrestling that 
um, has changed the most for me, even though there are technical things I've been working on. It's, it's just the mindset that I bring to not only wrestling, but my everyday life, you know, just the way the coaches talk to us and coach Kale talks to the team before practice. It really resonates with me. Um, just having gratitude and being grateful for, for everything, even, even the, the negative things and, and being present. I think that was the biggest thing in this tournament was I was just present. You know, there wasn't any, I mean, there was a certain amount of anxiety and, and, and nervousness, but it, the way you talk to yourself is, is huge. So instead of being nervous, I was spirited like, like a horse, you know, a horse before a race, you know, they're kind of jittery and whatever. They just want to get out of that gate and run, you know, so they're, they're not really nervous. Those horses, maybe a little bit, but they're just spirited and they want to run. So that's kind of how I felt during that tournament and just kind of taking a look around and just being grateful for the opportunity to, to compete. And it kind of freed my mind to, to uh, compete that I want to, the way I want to compete. I just felt felt really free, and, and I kind of have been trying to do that in my everyday life too, just being grateful for for everything and and being present and not um, kind of trying to let go of a lot of things, like maybe the past, you know, maybe some hate. You know, I think I competed and lived with a lot of hate in my in my heart, and just kind of letting that go and and having more love, especially for my enemy, because my enemy is going to bring out the best in me. You know, they're going to come out and they're going to battle hard and, and it's going to make me up my game. And, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that. So just having just a little bit different perspective um, has helped me a lot. And just, just the way that coaches talk to us is uh, really resonating with me and, and just really thankful for the opportunity just to be here and, and, and grow myself beyond the sport of wrestling and be, become a better person, just become more my own person really. I, I, I've, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I, it seems like you've always kind of been your own person. You've, I don't know if outspoken is the right word, but definitely not. You doesn't seem like you've been afraid to speak your mind in the past, and um, but you, you feel even more so. You're becoming a different person or, or your own person. Yeah, I think this part of maturing. You know, we always we're always changing and, and adapting, but I think. Uh, the way I've changed in the last year has been good, good for me. Just beyond the sport of wrestling, you know, my relationships with with my with my parents, with with my wife, you know, with my dogs, you know, with my friends um, or new friends uh, have been. It's just they're everything's just better. Just with just a little change in in perspective and and um, like I said, like just letting go of the past. And uh, I think for a while. You know, I was upholding this persona, you know, this tough guy, bad guy, villain persona. And I still have that. I'm always going to have that a little bit. But um, it got maybe to the point where I was, you know, a caricature of myself, as Coach Cody would say. Um, and we all get to that point. It's, it's our, our ego and kind of trying to keep that ego in check. And and uh, instead of, you know, upholding that that caricature, just be yourself, you know. Sure. Was, was, you know, and you went over a lot of things there, but was, was there anything uh, first week, first month, first couple of days of practice, being around the guys, was there anything that jumped off the page to you as like different and I don't know if like hard to accept and understand is right, but just different and like, okay, wow, this is way different. We're going to go this way. We're going to take time to recover when maybe you didn't as much before or I don't know. Um, I think – there wasn't anything that was really hard because I 
I need to change up the system. I need to just get, like I said, get better at wrestling and become a, a, a better wrestler. And so I came here and, and I wasn't going to fight anything. I was going to be bought in. You know, I was also going to be myself and, and do the things that I know I need to do. But also I, I just bought in, you know, whatever the coaches think um, that I need to do, I'm going to do it. Whatever we're working on, I'm going to work on. Um, just kind of something that's been huge for me is just um, – I said it before, but I'm in like a renaissance of my wrestling career. I'm starting to love the sport of wrestling again, and that's something I haven't had uh, in a long time where I'm just like super excited about the sport and just the art of the sport. And um, so that's been really good for me. Something that was really kind of on my mind a lot when I first got here was I kind of look at wrestling as, as like a battle. You know, uh, you know, it's very primitive. You know, if you go – go to war in the ancient times and you lose your sword and your shield, you're essentially wrestling that guy. And that's how I viewed wrestling is it's just a battle. It's a war. And so um, this idea of like having fun with wrestling, I, I was having maybe a, a hard, not a hard time, but it was kind of conflicting ideologies um, in my brain. So I, was, I reached out to this guy. His name is Brad Nagel. He's a ex Navy SEAL and, and um, more or less a, a mentor of mine a little bit. He Maybe wouldn't see himself like that, but I was like, "Hey," I was kind of talking through it with him, like, "Hey, I, I'm, I have this dilemma," and uh, he essentially said, "My job as a Navy SEAL was to kill people, but I enjoyed it. I had fun doing that," and which is, it was very enlightening for me. I was like, "Okay, well, my job is essentially to go out there and beat people up and throw them down and and work them over and." And I can get a lot of enjoyment. I, it doesn't mean I – just because it's, it's physical and, and – Stop it. <laughs> For cat. It's all right. Um, just because it's a battle and a war doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. So that really set my mind at ease. It's like I can still have fun do, doing this. And, I, and it's still a battle, but, you know, so I, it was kind of weird um, to try to explain. But that was like the turning point. And then not that I wasn't bought in before, but after talking with him, I really was okay with having fun in a way. Brad Nagel, is that what you said his name was? Yeah. How did you meet him? And and it sounds like a guy you just talked to, if you say he wouldn't necessarily consider himself a mentor, but somebody you're obviously maybe seeking experience or wisdom from. Yeah, so he, uh, he was in the Navy SEALs, and then he got – retired from the seals and came back to, to Iowa um, to get his degree. And then he would work out in the wrestling room uh, because it was kind of like a good environment. You know, he was a high strung guy, you know, used to the seals, which is also a very high strung um, occupation. And he enjoyed the energy and, and the environment of, um, of the room. And I just kind of gravitated towards him because I, I like, I'm a history major. I enjoy reading about war and and that kind of stuff. And so I kind of pick his brain about different things. And and uh, he was just a guy that just kind of fires you up. You just kind of sit in the sauna with him and chat with him a little bit. And then he makes you want to go run through a wall. You know, he's been through some things that are that are uh, pretty unique, <laughs> to say the least. And and his perspective on on life and and warfare and and combat it kind of resonated with me. Um, for wrestling and so we kind of hit it off that way do you think your your interest in in war and combat 
stems from you being a wrestler or vice versa? I, I think they go hand in hand. Um, I never really viewed them um, like the sport as war until maybe I was in high school and I started to understand uh, wrestling and, and war a little bit better. But I think just the way I was brought up and, and you know, my grandfather was in the military. Uh, my cousins, you know, my cousin was in the military. Just, um, I know there's something very appealing about war to me. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a soldier, you know, but there's something appealing to read about it and just apply that to, to everyday life. Because sometimes we think like we have things so hard and, and things are tough and, you know, but it's all relative. You know, you read some of these war stories, it's like, wow, like that's tough. And that guy got through it. Um, so a lot of times when I'm, when maybe I get hurt or I'm feeling sore or down or beat up or whatever, I just think, well, what if I had to get out of this trench and run across there and kill that guy? You know, how would I do it? You know, and that kind of gets me through some of the, some of my hard times, quote unquote, like maybe you get hurt and it's like, well, how am I going to, practice today or how am I going to wrestle this tournament it's like well what if you had to scrap to save your own life and the guy next to you's life you know and then it's like all right well you figure it out pretty quick because you don't have a choice if, it, if it's a war so we have the luxury of of maybe recovering and and take care of our bodies but I always think about like what if I had to go do it right now you know and, and having that historical context of, of battle and war kind of helps me through some of those situations because tough times it's all relative you know people say you're having a tough time let's take a step back and really look at the the bigger picture here um your time is really not that tough if i was in war i'd probably want you somewhere not too too far away just i think a lot of people think that (laughs) why do you think that is because i'm gonna do whatever it takes you know, I'm a, I'm a selfless person and, um, you know, I'll sacrifice myself for the guy next to me. That's just kind of how I, how I roll. So, um, whatever it takes to, to get my comrades out of the situation, I'm going to do it. If that means sacrificing life and limb, that's what I'll do for my, for my guys next to me. Amen. Now, uh, Clemming, I think you, Kyle, you think you said I had a couple questions. I do with being in Pennsylvania now, and you talked about having fun. What do you do to have fun in Pennsylvania? What's your outlets? Well, there's not a lot to do here in Belfont, but um, no, one of my outlets is just, you know, spending time at home. It seems pretty um, boring, but I really enjoy just spending time at home with, with my with my wife and our animals. We have two dogs and a cat, four chickens that are laying hens, and we just got six new chicks. So hopefully they'll be laying here and uh, by August. So that's something I enjoy, just kind of working around the house, you know, woodworking. I just started building another chicken coop, even though I don't know if I if I need another one. But it's just something I enjoy doing is just working with my hands and, and building things. Um, I kind of it's kind of funny, but I I think of myself as an artist. You know, I don't paint, I don't do sculptures, but you know, wrestling is very much an art. You know, especially you know being here with Coach Kale. Uh, it's very much an art form. Um, and so going beyond that, I, I enjoy cooking. You know, me and my wife enjoy to cook a lot together. And so that's very much, you know, an art form to be able to put together a, a nice, healthy meal and, and just working with wood and, and crafting things, whether it's rough carpentry or, or I'll go down to, 
uh, my in-laws and they kind of got like a little workshop there and, and making some furniture. That's very much art too. So those are kind of things I, I like to do to kind of relax my mind and, and use my hands, you know, cause I grew up, you know, working with my grandfather and, and we we're always doing something, whether it's pouring concrete or building retaining walls or, or fixing fences on a farm or, or feeding, feeding cows or whatever it was, you know, so I was always using my hands and doing physical labor and that's kind of like my out is uh just kind of that's what i enjoy as far as fun not a lot of people like it but that's my my thing i do to have fun is kind of work and hang out and spend time with with people i love man we uh we heard the cat right there are you going to show us the cat if he's still there oh uh, he well he's he's over laying in his uh little hammock but him actually, out. I think the wife, the wife's going to bring him over. He's a, he's a handful. He, we actually, we are not cat people, but this guy adopted us. He adopted you. His name, his name's Penn. 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 In Pennsylvania. No, funny story. Okay. So, <laughs> so I don't know if people are familiar with cats. I definitely am not, even though I have one. But when they're very small kittens, it's hard to tell their um, their gender. So we thought maybe he was a girl. And so my wife named named him Penny. And so then we took him to the vet, and they said it's, it's a boy. And so we're like, well, we can't call him Penny. And so we shortened up the pen, which actually kind of works out because we're in Pennsylvania and, you know, William Penn and Penn State and – Denny Lyons, so yeah. it worked out. All right, good deal. Um, so you're talking about artistry, and and you mentioned Coach Kale, and I feel like the easy question is Tom and Kale, what makes them different? But I, I want to know what 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 are what are the most things that are most similar about Tom Brands and Kale Sanderson? They want to win. I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty much the big thing. They're, they're both competitors, and they're, they're both um, very competitive, and they want to win. It's just how you get to that end point is the difference. You know, the, their philosophy that they, that they obviously brought to the mat as competitors, the way they wrestled was very much different. Um, the way they talk to the team and, and kind of get their team um, going and uh, how they run practice is very much different. But they're, they're both high level thinkers and high level thinkers have a lot in common as far as like, like the mentality is the same. I would say, you know, in, in a way they're both competitive. They both want to win. The difference is how they get the job done um, is the big difference. So um, yeah, they, they're, and they're both winners too. Um, Coach Kale a little bit more than, than Tom, but um, I don't know. Why would you why would you say more uh you know coach Kale more than Tom? I mean look at their coaching careers. I, I just I think that says enough. He's done a lot of winning. <laughs> no doubt. Um in the room, right? I know I saw you I'm, I'm curious who you train with, who you like to train with the most. I know I, I saw you shouting out Nick Lee for Hodge. Um Nick Lee went on a tear at the trials, uh, especially on the backside. Um, but who, who are your, I guess, main training partners or guys you, you roll with the most? Um, I roll with just about anybody. Uh, obviously, Nick Lee, I like rolling with him a lot. Roman, uh, Zane, once in a while when I'm feeling 
pretty froggy and good. Zane's big and strong and intense. Um, but one of my go-to guys, especially like when I'm get, getting down the weight or just need, need to roll around or get a good feel, is uh, uh, Jordan Conway. And he doesn't really get any credit, but he's probably the best guy, one of the best guys in the room if you want to just get a good feel and a good scrap and, and just – he's a feel-good guy. So he, he'll do – and he's a team player. He'll do whatever you need, you know, no matter what that is. If that means me hitting 100 high crotches on him at the end of practice, he'll do it, and without question. And he's just uh, – he's an amazing person and a great wrestler, and uh, give him a shout-out because he's going to go over to, to Tokyo with me. He's so, and he, he's a guy that is behind the scenes that does a lot, a lot, um, but doesn't get a lot of credit for it, so – He's like my go-to guy. Was it a no-brainer to, to to bring him as as your training partner? Yeah, yeah, no-brainer. He uh, he helped me get ready for this tournament, and uh, you know he's just a very selfless guy, and and he's got all the right feels, and 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 he's humble, and he'll just do whatever I need him to do, and uh, I'm very very grateful for that. Sure. I think he's going to be excited to go too. So. Wrestling aside, or is it just wrestling? Aside from wrestling, is there anything that excites you about going about the Olympic experience, whatever that may may be, from an interview like this to actually wrestling, or is it? Man, it's the wrestling. That's that's what it is. Seeing Tokyo, I don't know. Um, I think that there's definitely more to it than than wrestling. It is the Olympic Games. I think that um, the job is to, is to wrestle and go out there and win and bring home gold. But I think that. You gotta, you gotta enjoy the experience too. I think that if you're too wound tight, just worrying about wrestling the whole time, um, you might get a little bit too much in your head and go a little stir crazy because there's gonna be a lot going on. And I think that just embracing the experience and just being present, I think um, I'm really gonna enjoy it. Just being, I mean, I, I have the chance to go to go to Japan. That's somewhere I've, I've never been or really. Uh, would go to outside of the Olympic games. So it's kind of a, the great thing about wrestling is, is we get to go to places where we never would have the opportunity to go to, or never probably would go to um, if, it, if it was just a vacation. So I'm really excited to, to experience the culture. You know, I have a lot of respect for, for the Japanese um, people and the culture, even though I might've said something that was insensitive that I didn't know was insensitive back in 17. But mm-hmm. I mean, just the, I have a lot of respect for their culture. It's very diligent um, in a lot of ways. It's, it's a lot like um, my grandmother's German. And so it's a very, in a, in a weird way, it's kind of like Germany of, of, of the Far East. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to, to experience it. Sure. I think, Kyle, did you say you had another question? Yeah, with the world championships coming right after the Olympic. Peers that we've lost. Thomas? Here's that we've lost Klingman. I might be lost. I'm certainly lost. But I mean, whether or not, you know, technically on the line. On the, oh. line, on the line? Thomas? Yeah, we got disconnected. Yeah, yeah. I uh, My producer said his machine is locked up. Whatever that means. I don't know. I don't know if we're live and people are watching or if I'm just talking to you. <laughs> Guess we'll find out. Yeah. Let me see here. Be on. All right, we can keep going. We're um, we left off talking about Japan. 
Yeah. Yeah. So essentially I'm, I'm excited to, to, to visit and experience the culture and, and, uh, along with that, get the job done. But, um, oh yeah, no, this is where we're at. The world championships. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah, just the Olympic games is first and, and that, that's a, that's a big, that's a big event and that's what we're getting ready for. So, um, just take care of business uh, and then reevaluate afterwards. I, mean, I think that's all we can do. Start thinking too far ahead. We might get ourselves in trouble. Sure. Um, you said Japan's not a place I would normally go or I would want to go. I probably on vacation. If you had, you know, let's just hypothetical word. You go win the Olympics, you go to worlds and you win. It's like time for a vacation anywhere in the world you want. And you got a big bag of money from the living the dream fund. Where are you going? Germany. <laughs> I don't know why I thought you were going to say that. Tell me why. Well, I, I mean, that's where my grandmother's from. Um, so my wife has not been to Germany yet, so I'd like to take her there and just experience the, the culture and show her a little bit about what Germany's like. And and I in, in university, I did a lot of research and studying in, in the 19th century uh, Europe and in Germany in particular – so it's just I'm fond of it just because it's it's my heritage, but also I really really enjoy and appreciate the culture and and I always long to get back. All right, fair enough. That's where they had the uh, acclimation camp one or two two or three times, right? Yeah, I think all three times. I, I was there twice in in Romstein. Romstein, yeah, yeah, but it, it's kind of different because you're on a, a U.S. military base and it's like America in the middle of Germany, but. You get off the base, it's it's just a couple little villages around there. It's fun to kind of get out and about. Sure. Have you? And I remember you told a wild story about going to, uh, I believe it was like Mahachkala or the, the Caucasus area in Russia. Have you gone and trained internationally since then? I know it's a lockdown, so maybe I made tough. No, I haven't. So that was like, that was the last time. So I think that, that was in October of last year and then – you know, COVID kind of st started a year ago. So, but hopefully after the Olympics and after the world, depending on what we decide there, um, I can get a few of the guys from the Nittany Line Wrestling Club and we'll go out to uh, Osetia and, and stay at the, the academy and, and train for, for a couple of weeks. Because actually um, the one lady that runs the, the academy there, she sent me a message on Instagram and said congratulations and, and whatnot, and then I said, essentially, I can't wait to get back and, and train. And she said, whenever, just let me know. You're always welcome. So that was kind of nice. Heck yeah, that sounds awesome, man. Um, yeah. Speaking of, I guess Instagram or social media, right? You for the, forever you weren't on it. Boom! You decided you pulled the trigger. You, you got yourself a social media account. Best and worst things about social media, from your perspective, and maybe that impact your life. Uh, we'll start with positive. Um, there's a lot of connections that you can make on social media, just, um, you know, business wise, you know, kind of, um, you know, cause everything's on the internet. Now you maybe get connected with a company and you post their things and, and you get some money for it. And that's cool. I mm -hmm. like that. And I, I kind of like seeing, keeping up with my foreign friends, you know, even though a lot of them don't speak English and I don't speak Russian or Olsetian or Dagestan. Um, it's nice to be able to like stay connected with those people because without social media, it would be really hard. So I follow a lot of those guys on Instagram and, 
and just seeing what they're up to. You know, they're going to training camp or they're in Moscow or whatever they're doing. It's kind of nice. You know, and I see they win a tournament, they do well, send a little message. So that's nice to stay connected with, with your foreign friends. And it would be really, really hard to stay connected any other way. But uh, the negative is it, it can be, it can be a, a huge distraction. Um, there's always a lot. Like Twitter, I, I don't even really get on Twitter anymore. I do once in a while just like send out a tweet when I get all fired up. But um, it's so negative, I feel like, Twitter. Because you post something, no matter what it is, you're going to have all these trolls that like don't even have their name or their picture. And they're just like saying negative, mean things. It's just like... And then you get, I'm like this, I get, I'll I'll just read every single negative thing. (laughs) And so I try to stay off Twitter because it's so negative, but Instagram's kind of negative in a different way where I feel like if I post something on Instagram, everything's positive. Like there'll be the one Yahoo that says like, you suck or whatever. But for the most part, it's like very positive feedback, which is kind of, it's nice feeling. But then like you're on your feed and I just find myself just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and just mindless and I just feel like man I'm really wasting my time just sometimes I'll just like leading up to the trials my wife and I deleted all the Instagram and social media just to kind of like be more present and like all right well this is to give us more time to read and and spend time together and focus on the task at hand and and that was really helpful but then obviously right after we got back on and I think we probably should delete it soon (laughs) (laughs) fair enough Cal do you have another one I do. What makes a good cup of coffee? It starts with good fresh beans. That's the start. And then you got to get them, you know, whole bean, and then you grind them yourself. And I prefer a pour over. Pour over is a little intimidating for people, but you just, it's like anything. You just got to do it, do it, do it. And practice makes perfect. And not that I'm perfect at it, but you get the hang of it and, and that's what I recommend is getting fresh beans. And a lot of th- like if you're a, around a college town or in Austin, I'm sure there's some roasteries or, or places where they um, ship in the beans pretty fresh. And so get them whole bean and grind them at home and, and making them from there. Also, the ratios are, are important, but um, the number one thing is, is fresh beans. Thomas, you so love you're not coffee the, shops in Austin. Go ahead. I just think there's a million coffee you're shops. You're not into the latte type of drinks and all the added stuff. Is it got to be straight? Well, I'm into that stuff too. I, I like a nice nice latte every once in a while. But um, like for the appreciation of, of coffee and, and let's say the art of it, you got to just go with a straight pour over. If, and if you really want to like taste like the – the different flavors, which sounds weird because people are like, oh, all coffee tastes the same, and I beg to differ. But if you get like a go to a nice coffee shop and you get a lot like the lightest roast they have, then you're going to get a lot more fruity type flavors, and you're definitely going to tell the difference between like your normal dark roast or something you get from like the gas station or something like that. Um, and maybe the last thing I got, we've been, we've been going for a while now, but um, I, I caught, I don't know if it's on Twitter, Instagram, or both, but an NCAA watch party, right? You and, and Bo and Nolf and, and a few other people, and you're fired up a, as usual, but watching the Penn State guys, and understandably, right? Was it, and maybe there were some Penn State versus Iowa matches or whatever, but is it is it weird at all watching, and I don't know about rooting against Iowa, but rooting for Penn State when maybe they're wrestling an Iowa guy? 
Yeah, it definitely was a little weird. Um, I think it was less weird when they wrestled each other, but um, like when Iowa was wrestling other schools, you know, there's always like that competitive aspect in your mind where it's like, well, in order for us to like pull us out as a team, meaning Penn State, this guy maybe should drop this match. But, you know, I, I cheered for all the Iowa guys, you know, when they were wrestling um, other teams. Uh, just because you know, I, I don't, you know, I spent a lot of time with those guys. You know, I trained with them, and, and I know them pretty well. But um, as far as cheering for the Penn State guys, it was really easy because they took me in and just accepted me right now. Like first day I got here, boom, part of the team. You know, no questions asked, and and they really took me in, and it was just something that they didn't have to do. You know, the coaches didn't have to do that, the team didn't have to do that. Um, so just this the love I felt immediately. I just was so grateful and thankful for that. And just anything I could do to reciprocate that and help them out and just spending time just wrestling with these guys like Roman, you know, we really bonded over this last year, just training together. And, and I kind of, me and him talk a lot just as far as like mentality. And, and I was always on him, you know, saying like, he, he's so good and you just got to go out there and just, just wrestle like you know how to do because if he wrestles me or wrestles anybody else in the nation the way he wrestles me like there's no reason why anybody should be able to beat him or even be close to him like he should have got bonus points every match except for the finals um that's how good he is and and he shows when he goes offense he scores every single time so um in a way it was weird but at the same time it it wasn't just because you know they're, they're my family now you know it's you just you develop and you move on and, and this is the next chapter of my life and and I'm all in I'm all in for these guys just like they're all in for me so it was I got fired I, I got real fired up for these guys <laughs> I saw it I saw it um and it, it's probably too soon to ask right but I think you said you're only 25 um is 20 24 on your radar oh yeah okay yep but like I said, it's just one thing at a time, you know, one, one year at a time and, in 2024, God willing, you know, some, something could happen and my, my path could change. He might have a different plan for me, but, um, you know, if, if 2024 is in his plan, then that's what we're going to do. If it's not, uh, I don't know if that club with that Kyle and I are doing is going to even ever start or take off. So they're, they're waiting for a club to start in Austin. Just, you know, weather's great and love to have you down here. Yeah. Yeah, my wife likes the nice weather down there, so that could work. All right, cool, man. Um, well, shoot, it's it's been it's been fun catching up. Um, I'm sure I'll run into you again at some point before you guys head over to Tokyo. But you got any, you got anything else for us before we let you get on, Thomas? I don't. I appreciate the time and the conversation. It was it was good. I always, always enjoy it. Always is. Thanks so much, man, and have a great day, Thomas. Good luck in Tokyo. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, guys. You. All right. All right. That's gonna do it. Um, Good talk, wouldn't you say, Kyle? It was. Always get good information from Thomas Gilman. Seems forthright and wants to talk honestly and openly, so I appreciated that. And I'm just looking forward to the club that we're going to start here in the coming years. Yeah, we'll call it the uh, Kill Bad Club. Get that on the spot. Yeah, thanks. All right. Uh, Yeah, enough with the dumb jokes, bad jokes. That's going to do it. Today's show is done. We'll be back tomorrow with Jenna Burkett. Um, Same guys, same time, same place. We'll see you later. Thanks.